Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Judges, chapters 11 and 12. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. The anger of the Lord was hot against Israel because they began to serve idols. And God sold them into the hands of the Philistines and the children of Ammon. And in other words, God says, look, if you're interested in the world, then you will be controlled by the gods of this world and become their slaves. And for 18 years, the people were depressed, distressed, oppressed, and never blessed. For 18 years, and then finally, after 18 long and arduous, grueling years, they repented. And their confession turns to action, and their repentance becomes reality, and they destroy their idols. And they're ready for battle. Now they're ready to do battle. There's only one problem. They have no commander. Back up with me, chapter 10, look at verse 17. In in verse 17, then the people of Ammon gathered together and encamped in Gilead. And the children of Israel assembled together and encamped in Mitzvah. And the people, the leaders of Gilead, said to one another, Who is the man who will begin the fight against the people of Ammon? He shall be head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. Now in chapter 11, beginning in verse 1, saints, if you're there, say a hearty amen. Now Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty man of valor. Does that sound familiar? Who else was a mighty man of valor? Go ahead, say it. You can talk. Gideon, there you go. Smart people, just smart. Was a mighty man of valor, Jephthah. But he was the son of a prostitute. And Gilead begot Jephthah. Gilead's wife in verse 2 bore sons, and when his wife's son grew up, they drove Jephthah out and said to him, You shall have no inheritance in our father's house, for you are the son of another woman. Well, then Jephthah fled from his brothers and dwelt in the land of Tob, and worthless men, I know some of them, worthless men, you know some of them, banded together with Jephthah and went out raiding with him. And it came to pass after a time that the people of Ammon made war against Israel. And so it was when the people of Ammon made war against Israel that the elders of Gilead went to Jephthah from the land of Tob. And then they said to Jephthah, come and be our commander that we might fight against the people of Ammon. And so Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, do you not hate me? And expel me from my father's house? Why are you coming now when you are in distress? 
And the elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, This is why we have turned again to you now, that you may go with us and fight against the people of Ammon and be our head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. And so Jephthah said to the elders in verse 9 of Gilead, If you take me back home to, to, to fight against the people of Ammon and the Lord delivers them, shall I be your head? Or in other words, do you promise? And the elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, The Lord will be a witness between us if we do not according to your words. Then Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead, and the people made him head and commander over them. And Jephthah spoke all his words before the Lord in Mitzvah. Now, stop right there. Give me your attention. The Ammonites are oppressing the people of Israel. And the people of Israel, they know that they need someone who is a mighty man of valor. They know they need a warrior. They know they need a leader. And God knows they need a warrior and a leader. And the man is very interesting. The man that God had chosen, they had already kicked out of the city. Now, apparently, the father was about to die and leave some money. And Jephthah's half-brothers thought there is no way this guy's going to get a dime because he's the son of a prostitute. He's the son of a harlot. And so they kicked him out of town. They said, leave. And he went, through, and when he went to a, a rough and tough neighborhood known as the land of Tob. And when he got there, because he was rough, because he was a warrior, a mighty man of valor, he hooked up with what the Bible calls worthless men, and they formed a gang we will heretofore call the Tob Mob. (laughs) And Jephthah was the leader of the gang. Now, I'm sure that this was pretty trying for Jephthah. And we can see God is using, I'm sure that, you know, as they kicked him out, they kicked him out from his family. They kicked him out from his friends. They kicked him out from his land. He goes to another land, which is on the other side of the Jordan, by the way. And he hangs out there with a bunch of ruffians, roughneck, hoods, thugs. And he, and he gets into this gang. And I'm sure that it was a tough thing psychologically, emotionally. You know, we sometimes take the people in the Bible and we remove them from real feelings. We remove them from real life. I'm sure he was like, man, this is a bummer. Man, my family doesn't like me. They kick me out and, you know. And so he gets to this area of Tob and he gets together with this, this gang. And, and, and it's there. It's very interesting because it's there in that trial. Stay with me. In that tribulation, being rejected by his family and friends, that God makes him tougher than nails. Now this tells us, got a pen? This tells us tribulation brings preparation. Hey, what do you mean, Rodney? Well, tribulation brings preparation. In other words, if you're going through something and you're thinking, man, this this is hot. my, My trial's tough. I'm going through a lot, and, and, and this is, I'm right in the heat of my tribulation. Well, that only means that God is trying to prepare you for something that he's going to want to use you for in the future. See, we want to be used in ministry. 
We all want God to use our lives, but in order for God to use your life, you got to understand something. Tribulation brings preparation. In other words, what you're going through right now, the tribulation that you're going through right now, God is making something. God is doing something. The heat and the fire and the suffering and the trial and the pain and the suffering, God is doing something in your life and in your your heart that you're going to need to have in place when it comes time for God to say, okay, now you're ready to be used. And until you go through that, until you allow God to work in you those things that he's got to work in you, you won't be ready to be used. You know, it makes me think of uh, my wife, and I don't think that she would mind me telling you this. But for a long time, starting the church and the various ministries that we were getting going when we first started the ministry, you know how it goes. And gosh, it seemed like the women's ministry was really tough. Now, ladies, look, hold your tomatoes, all right? I'm just just sharing, okay? I'm just sharing, all right? Take it easy. But, you know, it just seemed like, you know, honey, it just seemed like the women's ministry was so tough to really get founded and grounded in and, 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 and just various things that were going on. And I remember saying to you, I said, honey, you know what? God is working in you right now for what he's going to be doing later. And I can stand here and honestly say today, praise God, that the women's ministry is a wonderful, wonderful ministry that is blessing many women. And now we talk about that time in which God was working out some things and bringing women aside who were of one heart and of one mind and of one purpose. And and so the trial, the, the testing was all in preparation for what God was going to do now. You got to understand that. So then what happens is your trial and your test, it doesn't seem like it's in vain. Because, you know, if I think I have to suffer like this for no real reason, then I'm not willing. Because I like me. And I love me. And I don't like to feel pain. But so, you know, I'd be more likely to run from it. But if I know that Jesus is with me in the furnace, Jesus is with me in the fire. There's a reason and a purpose and a design, a master plan that the master is working in my life. And someday he's going to work through my life. Well, now the tribulation, I can say, okay, God, I can get through this. As long as like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, God was with them. He was with them in the fire. And they could stay in the fire because the Lord was with them. Amen, saints. So you got to understand that. And the same is true for Jephthah. And the same is true for you. You know, the tribulation brings preparation. Aaron, the tribulation brings Tim. The tribulation, Stacy. The tribulation brings preparation. You kind of understand that. Because if you can't really get that, you're not going to make it. So God's working something. Rodney, God's working something. Elvira, God's working something in us. And then he's going to someday work through us. 
And we can learn that from this man, Jephthah, who is in the land of Tob, leading a gang of people. And it's there that God is working in him, making him very tough for what God is going to do. And here's another thing. Doesn't it strike you interesting? Sometimes I have to understand as a pastor that God has a word for our church. And I'm always seeking to ask God, what is that word for this church? And, you know, milk, meat, manna, we talk about that a lot. We want the milk and we want the meat of the word, but the manna of the word it comes from God in that moment, in that, in that time. And, you know, even as I was preparing this, it just occurred to me how, like Sunday, we've been talking about the, the men that God used and, and we're talking about the disciples and how they were a pretty pathetic package of players. I like peas. And, 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 and so they were a pretty pathetic package of players and how God uses people who are like the unlikely suspect. I mean, who would have ever thought that God would use a man who was born to a prostitute to deliver his people? I mean, this is a mar against his character, if you will, a mar against his family, that this man was born to a prostitute, and yet God uses him. And we hear that over and over here at Calvary. We've been talking about it and listening to that, that God is wanting to use people who you would not think would be used. God uses the outcast of the world, where we choose people who are important and influential and powerful and money, where God says, no, I'm going to choose a guy who is from the wrong side of the tracks. I'm going to choose a guy who is born to a prostitute to deliver my people. And it makes me think of that verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. You've seen it before. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, and not many mighty, and not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world, and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are why? That no flesh should glory in his sight. God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Look at the disciples. They weren't powerful. They weren't influential. Look at Joseph. Joseph was an outcast and rejected by his brothers. David was rejected by his boss, Saul. Jeremiah and many of the prophets were rejected because of their message. And of course, you know, Jesus was rejected by his own family, the Jewish people. But God uses rejects. And I'm thankful for that. God uses people, you know, as a Christian, we don't have to worry about being from the right side of the tracks. Ah, let me go on record to say, I am from the wrong side of the tracks. Do I have any, any witnesses here? All right, there's one. Thank you, Lord. There's truthful one person. No, no, I see you over there. I'm from the wrong side of tracks. I mean, who would have ever thunk it? That God would take somebody like me and use my life in the way that he has. I can look at Jephthah's life and I can relate to it. Because, no, my mom wasn't a prostitute. She was actually a single parent and a very hardworking woman. But... My father, as many of you know, was a drug dealer, and as I know, he still is a drug dealer. If he's alive, I don't even know that. 
So I grew up in that world. I grew I'm from Philadelphia, and I'm from the wrong side of the tracks. And I am more amazed than you are. <laughs> You're like, hmm. I am. I've said it a hundred times, I'll say it a hundred and one. I am amazed at what God has done in my life. But but I also have learned from the scriptures, and I've learned that God can use anyone. Amen, saints? And he wants to use anyone and everyone who will say, Lord, here's my life. Use me. You don't have to worry about your pedigree. And you don't even have to worry about whether you're educated or not. I used to make excuses, quite honestly, and feel a little bit ashamed because early in my ministry, I'm kind of over it now, but early in my ministry, people would say, well, now, now, Pastor Rodney, what, um, what school of divinity have you graduated from? Well, have you learned the things of God? <laughs> Duh. And I, you know, and I'm like, oh, man, I knew I didn't go to school, and I graduated 12th grade, and then I went to the military, and I'm just a low life nothing. <laughs> That's what I'm feeling like on the inside, because I'm thinking that, you know, somehow, you know how your flesh is. Oh, I got to impress these people now. Well, I've graduated with a MDiv and a THD and a ABC and a DVD, and a VHS. Oh, really? What is that? Well, it's a degree you know nothing about, but you know, peasants. And, uh, you know, you want to impress people. You want to, you know, but I couldn't because I don't have anything impressive. I really don't. And so, you know, for me, it used to be a time where I was thinking, well, I'm, you know, I'm in graduate school. Well, where'd you go to school? I didn't. Well, how'd you learn the Bible? Well, my pastor taught me the Bible, and he gave me some good books and gave me the key to his office when I was a really new disciple and told me to go read all his books. And so I did that. And every Tuesday, I'd go to his office and open his door and go sit down, and I'd stop at home and get dinner for my wife and keep going, go to the church and stay there six hours and try to consume all of his books. And I did that for years. And I started reading stuff that I never even knew existed. I, I didn't know what a lexicon was. I didn't know what a Strong's was. And he, I, quite honestly, he didn't take me in his office and say, now here is a dictionary and here is this. And he just said, look, here's a key, go for it. And that's how I learned the Bible. And I, I am amazed because I actually do, for the most part, understand it. <laughs> Because God is doing it. See, so God, so what, what this tells us is that you take men like Jephthah, you take men like me, and people like you. I mean, look, there's nobody noble in this room, nobody wise in this room, nobody's important in this room. We're all the same. We're all the same. And if God can use me, God can use anybody. If God can teach me the Bible, God can teach anybody the Bible. I am convinced because it's not man who teaches, it's the Holy Spirit who does the teaching. And when you say, Father, I just want you to teach me the word. Yes, I'm going to church. Yes, I'm going to listen to Pastor Rodney's awesome sermons. Yes, I'm going to get in the church and hear what you have to say. But I'm going to go home and I'm going to be like the Bereans and I'm going to search the scriptures to see if these things are so.
and I'm going to learn the Bible. If you set your heart to do that, God will meet you every time. And God will teach you and you'll be surprised how fast you'll grow. Christians, you don't have to grow like, you know, you don't like become like I got to go through the one-year-olds and the two-year-old and three-years-old and all these stages of growth. You know what? You can go from here as a Christian to there as a Christian just like that. Baby Christians, that should never be said of any person because you can only stay a baby so long. You should be able to feed yourself and love on the Lord by loving his word and allow his word to work in you effectively, then work through you that you can go and make true disciples is what we've been talking about. See, this is what God wants to do. If God can do that in my life, he can do it in your life and he can do it in Jephthah's life. And that's what we learn from this. Man, he let God use his life, and God used it mightily. And so Jephthah is isolated. Man, I want to cover chapter 11 and 12. Why are you laughing, huh? Don't think it's possible? So Jephthah is isolated, and he's living in a town that's a rough town. He's the head of the Tob Mafia, and it's while in that time of being the head of the Mafia that the people need a leader in verse 6. So they come to Jephthah and they say, Jephthah, would you and your thug ruffians, worthless and vain fellows come and lead us? And Jephthah said, listen, you guys drove me out of town and now you need me. And then they, and then they said, Jephthah, look, if you come and you fight, we will not only make you the commander, but we will make you head over all the people. But notice something here. I think it's interesting that Jephthah doesn't hold any bitterness. Don't you, don't you find that interesting? Man, I tell you what, if they'd have kicked me out of town and then come back and they need me, oh, you're going to pay. Oh, you gonna, how much you got? I don't know that you got enough. Well, then notice in verse 12. Now Jephthah sent messengers to the king of the people of Ammon, saying, notice his response. He sends his message to the king, to the king of the people of Ammon, saying, What do you have against me that you have come to fight against me in my land? And the king of the people of Ammon answered the messengers of Jephthah, Because Israel took away my land when they came up out of Egypt from the Arnon as far as the Jebuk and to the Jordan. Now, therefore, restore those lands peaceably. So Jephthah again sent messengers to the king of the people of Ammon and said to him, Thus says Jephthah, Israel did not take away the land of Moab, nor the land of the people of Ammon. Now stop right there. Jephthah is apparently a good leader. Why? Because did you notice the first thing he does? He tries to offer a little peaceful mediation. You see that? He's following exactly what the word tells him. Deuteronomy 20, verse 10, look that up in your own time. It says, as you approach a town to attack it, first offer peace. And then when you fast forward to the New Testament, Paul says, if it is possible, as much as within you, live peaceably with some men. Is that what it says? Say no. No. It says as much as within you live peaceably with all men. So Jephthah is a wise man because the first thing he does is he tries to offer peace. But these guys, they don't want peace. You know, there's some people who are just hard to live in peace with. Do you know any? Uh, I do. There's like some folks just don't want peace. 
And some Christians, you can't make peace with them. They're, some Christians are hard to love. I mean, it's true. Some people don't want peace. It was Chuck Swindoll who wrote this little poem. I love it. He says, to dwell above with saints we love, that will be grace and glory. To live below with saints we know, well, that's another story. <laughs> and that's very true. And so Jephthah says, what seems to be the problem and they say, this is our land, and you took it unjustly, and we want it back. Now, take your pen and your Bible, verse 16 through verse 28. You can read this in your own time for your homework, and then God will give you extra credit when you stand before him in judgment. How's that? All right, some of y'all going to need that extra credit. <laughs> but, but, but you'll notice now in verse 16 through 28, right, we're not going to take the time to read it, but let me tell you what happens. Jephthah rehearses the history of Israel. What I love about it is he does it perfectly. Now that tells me that he knew the word. Jephthah was a man of the word. He rehearses the history of Israel in verses 16 through 28. And then he tells them in verse 26 that Israel was dwelling in various cities and villages for 300 years and they didn't take possession of the land. Then he goes on in verse 27 and says, therefore, I have not sinned against you, but you have wronged me by fighting against me. May the Lord look at verse 27. I love this. May the Lord the judge give judgment, but the king of Ammon, he didn't listen to a word he said. And so the battle is on. Look at verse 29. Then the spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah and he passed through Gilead and Manasseh and passed through Mitzvah of Gilead. And from Mitzvah of Gilead, he advanced toward the people of Ammon. And Jephthah noticed this, underlined it, highlighted, it, made a vow to the Lord. And said, if you will indeed deliver the people of Ammon into my hands, then it will be that whatever comes out of the doors of my house to meet me when I return home from the battle in peace from the people of Ammon shall surely be the Lord's. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.